Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Hey everybody, uh, welcome uh, to Christ Community Chapel. Welcome those of you in our East service, those of you in our sanctuary service, those of you in our West service, and those of you tuning in. Uh, I can't believe that I'm not with you. Uh, it seems like I've looked forward to this for so long, but I have come into close contact with somebody with COVID and I am uh, following protocol. So next week, uh, I will be with you next week, Lord willing, all right? There's so many things that I love about our church, but one of the things that I love is the way we finish up each year. And 2020 was no different. 2020 was so difficult in so many ways, but you guys still just crushed Thanksgiving baskets. But 14,000 people uh, were able to eat Thanksgiving meal because of your generosity. And then we moved right into the just because cards. And even though those were more difficult to use this year, we're still hearing stories uh, coming in about how you guys uh, surprised people with acts of kindness and generosity. And one of the things that we're able to add this year is our community just because fund that we were able to have because of your generosity in giving this summer. And I wanted to share with you at least one story from the Just Because Community Fund we're able to do. And this is from uh, Elizabeth in Hudson. And I'm gonna show a picture. She says, my son and I are so very grateful for Christ Community Chapel. They gave us a Just Because card and with their generous assistance, helped us obtain a generator. My fragile disabled son is on life support 24 seven. And this ensures that he will keep breathing if we lose power. How cool is that? I just wanted to thank you and tell you, uh, you guys are awesome, all right? Now that's looking back. Now we wanna look forward into 2021. Uh, one of the things that I uh, love to do is to go on an early morning walk, almost every morning. I like to get out while it's still dark. And one of my favorite times is when it's just snowed, right? Because it's like a, a blanket over the whole world is so quiet. And I like to be the very first one making footprints in the snow. That's the way every new year feels like to me. That every day is like a, like a step. From January 1st to December 31st, every day a step and each step taking us somewhere. We were always on a road going somewhere. Uh, Lewis Carroll uh, wrote the book, The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland. And in that book, there's a scene where uh, Alice comes to a fork in the road and she meets a character named the Cheshire Cat. And she turns to the cat and she asks the Cheshire Cat, can you help me to know where to go? And the Cheshire Cat says to Alice, well, that depends entirely on where you're going. And she says, I don't much care. And the Cheshire cat says to Alice, if you don't care where you're going, any road will take you there. If you don't care where you're going, any road will take you there. 
the Cheshire Cat was sharing some great wisdom with Alice, and Lewis Carroll was sharing some great wisdom with us. You know, we had these collages made and put on the side, these side panels of the sanctuary to kind of show where we have been as a church, uh, the road that has brought us to this year of 2021. And if you're over in East Hall, after the service, make sure you come over and take a look at these collages. It really is amazing where God has brought us. But now, as we look at 2021, the question is, where does God want to take us now? It really is quite amazing uh, where God has brought us. It's been a tradition here at CCC for a while to take the month of January and give a theme for the upcoming year, cast a, a vision of sorts. And a vision for a church is really uh, just trying to organize what should be happening naturally for a group of Christians. Like last year, our theme was love matters most. We took that from Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus tells us the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so all last year, we were just trying to organize and do as a group what we should be doing naturally as followers of Jesus. This year, we're going to try to cast a vision that will last longer than a year, much longer than a year. And we're calling it Reimagine. Now, you only need a vision if you're going someplace and going to do something. And listen, I know that uh, sometimes people come to church for different reasons. And if you're coming to church and you're trying to figure out our church and you're trying to figure out about Jesus, uh, we are ecstatic. I am excited that you're here. You're in exactly the right place. You just sit and listen and watch. But if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus, and this is your church, then I want to kind of invite you to participate in what we feel like God is doing. I have three kids. They're all grown now. But when they were little, there were times when we would just, you know, pop a big, you know, uh, bowl of popcorn and watch a movie. And those were great times. But there were other times where I'd walk into the family room and I would say, hey, grab your coats, follow me. And when I do that, they knew a couple things. They knew we were going to go someplace that I wanted to go, and we were going to do something that I wanted them to do. We called those daddy's adventures. And if you talk to any of my kids now, they will tell you those are some of the, the best memories of our family. This past week, I read through the Gospel of Matthew in my time with God in the morning. And one of the things I noticed is that when Jesus goes through and chooses his disciples, he doesn't tell any of them, listen, gather around me and listen to me teach. Every single disciple he goes to and he says, follow me. Matthew, Peter, Andrew, James, John, all of them the same, follow me. And when he said that, they knew a couple of things. They were going to go where Jesus wanted them to go and they were going to do what Jesus wanted them to do. That's us. That's Christ Community Chapel. That's what we want to be right now. So if you've been wondering why all this talk about vision, 
It's because when we read the Gospels, we find the real purpose of being a Christian, of being a follower of Jesus, is to go where he wants us to go and do what he wants us to do, that Jesus is inviting us to go on an adventure with him. For me, it feels like Jesus has walked right into the middle of our church and said, follow me, follow me. But churches are like people. And when I say that, what I mean is the older I get, the less adventurous I am. The more I feel like I know what I like, I know what I want. <laughs> I got into a discussion about pesto a couple of years ago with somebody. And I, I don't like pesto. I never really have. And the person I was talking to said, you need to try my grandma's, my grandma's pesto. And I was going, people always say that. I don't know why people always say stuff like that. Because I wanted to say, listen, unless your grandma's pesto doesn't taste anything like pesto, <laughs> you know, and then it shouldn't be called pesto. I don't like pesto. I'm 60 years old. I know what I like, what I don't like. Right? I'm kind of set in what I want. Churches can get like that. You know, the church can get to be a, a place that we don't like adventures. We like what we like. We know what we like, and we're going to stay with what we like. Uh, in the 1990s, I was the one who was teaching membership class. One of these panels on the side captures the 1990s. And in the 1990s, we were growing, which is what membership class is about, by the way. It's gathering a group of people and telling them, this is what our church is about. And that group of people going, yeah, that's what I'm about too. I'm all in with that. And by the way, that's what reimagine class is about. We want you to hear where we feel like God is taking us and want you to then respond and be able to say, yeah, that's what I'm about too. But I'll, I'll talk more about that at the end. But in the 90s, when I would have membership class, I would tell people, listen, if you don't like change, you might not want to join our church because you are joining a culture of change. And I would tell them that because every time someone becomes a new member, it changes the chemistry of the church itself. And so that whole class was going to change our church, and it would be the acme of selfishness to come into a church and say, I want you to be open to change until I get in, and then after I get in, then I want to remain exactly the same the way I like it when I changed it, right? That's crazy. And that brings me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which we had read. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, if the Gospels are Jesus going to the disciples and saying, follow me, then Acts chapter 1, 8 is when Jesus tells the disciples what he wants them to do. And if we're going to be a church that goes where Jesus wants us to go and does what Jesus wants us to do, then it seems like Acts chapter 1, 8 is a good place to start. And there are three kind of implications, three things that will impact who we are as a church uh, from this verse. And these are my three points. Who we are, where we are, and what Jesus is doing. Who we are, where we are, and what Jesus is doing. First, who we are. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, we are witnesses. We are his witnesses. 
On January 28th, in 1986, which is what, 35 years ago, I was driving east on the East-West Expressway in Orlando, Florida. It was 11.40 a.m. I can pinpoint that time. Because when I was driving, and it was a perfectly uh, sunny, clear day. I mean, nothing but blue sky, not a, not a cloud in the sky. And I saw this big ball of fire start to rise up from the horizon. And I didn't know what it was at first. And then I was thinking, oh, wait, that's the space shuttle. And I remembered that the space shuttle was launching that day uh, from Cape Canaveral. And I watched it climb into the sky. And then I watched it explode. I was watching the space shuttle Challenger explode. And I saw it with the naked eye. And I, it blew apart like this. And I remember the streamers of smoke as the debris fell down. I'm a witness. You can doubt me. You can ridicule me. But you will not shake me because I'm a witness. On a Saturday in September of 1978, I was driving on Interstate 4 between Tampa and Orlando. And I experienced the love of God and the grace and forgiveness of God in such a palpable way that it brought tears to my eyes and changed the trajectory of my life from that moment on. I'm a witness. You can doubt me. You can ridicule me. But I will not be shaken. I remember reading a story about um, a man who was an alcoholic. And he was a violent alcoholic. And it had taken its toll on his family, even on his house. And his furniture was all broken up and all that and then he came into a relationship with Jesus. And after a year or so, there had been such a dramatic change in his life. He was, he was actually talking to one of his old drinking buddies. And the drinking buddy was kind of making fun of him. And was saying, let me get this straight. So you believe that Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding. And the former alcoholic looked at his friend and he said, listen, I don't know much about that but I do know that Jesus has turned beer into furniture at my house. And what he was saying is, I'm a witness. Listen, I want you to know I'm a witness, not just to what Jesus has done in my life. I'm a witness to what Jesus has done in many of your lives. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to to meet in smaller groups, not just to meet in rows like we are right now, looking in the back of somebody's head, but to meet in circles where we get to hear each other's stories because the truth is we are witnesses for and of each other with what Jesus has done in our lives. So that's the first thing that Jesus tells us is that we are witnesses. You are a witness. The second thing in this verse is Jesus tells the disciples where they are to be witnesses. And he says, you are to be witnesses, my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
He says that for a reason. He starts with Jerusalem because that's where they were at that moment. Some of them were eventually going to get to Judea, some of them to Samaria, and some of them all the way to Rome to the end of the earth. If Jesus was coming here right now and talking to us and saying, follow me, he would say, you are my witnesses. And then for us here at the corner of 303 and Terex Road, he would say, you're my witnesses in Hudson, in Summit County, in all of Northeast Ohio, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus' point was this, you are a witness where you are, not where you're not. Wherever you are, you are called to be a witness for Jesus. Going back to the space shuttle, I was on my way actually to my parents' house. When I got to my parents' house, I went right in. I told them first, I said, listen, something's happened to the space shuttle. Turn on the TV. And we turned on the TV. Then we went outside. We looked up at the sky to see what we could see that was still hanging in the sky because it was just a, a windless day. And now 35 years later, I'm in Ohio and I'm telling you, you are to be a witness, Jesus says. We are all witnesses, not only of what God has done in our lives, but what he has done in all of our lives. And we are witnesses here in Hudson, in Summit County, in Northeast Ohio, and to the ends of the earth. And finally, our church's direction will be determined by what Jesus is doing, what Jesus is doing. In uh, verse 3 of Acts chapter 1, Luke, who is writing this, he says this, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Luke says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering. Why would he mention his suffering? Why not just say his glorious resurrection? Why not just stay on the positives? Why remind us of Jesus' suffering? Well, Luke was reminding us of why Jesus suffered, that Jesus suffered for you. Jesus suffered for me as proof of his love. Listen, this is the truth. No one has ever loved you to the extent that Jesus loves you. No one. Not your parents, not your spouse, not your children, not your best friend. No one has ever loved you to the extent that Jesus loves you because no one has ever suffered for you the way Jesus suffered for you. One of the things that Jesus is doing by inviting us on this adventure is that he is giving us an opportunity to show our love to him. I remember reading a story years ago about a traveler on a train and he was looking at a couple of men that were obviously very good friends. And all of a sudden, one of the men he was watching uh, had a grand mal seizure. And his friend immediately picked him up and laid him in the aisle of the railroad car and held, kind of cradled his head in his lap. And he put a cloth on his forehead until the seizure stopped and his friend fell asleep. And the traveler looked at him and said, What's going on? What can you explain? And this is what the man told the traveler. He said, uh, we were in the war together. And in one particular firefight, I got shot in the leg. 
he came back for me and he picked me up on his shoulders and he carried me out of the jungle. I don't know how he did it. Five years ago, I found out he had this condition and I sold my house to come and care for him. And then he said this, because mister, after what he did for me, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for him. When Jesus comes to you and to me and he says, you are my witnesses. He is giving us an opportunity to say, listen, after what you've done for me, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. The second thing that Jesus is doing is that he give, he's giving us an opportunity to love other people. Listen, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And now they've come up with a vaccine and the vaccine is really to try to protect everyone. I hope it works. And ideally, the vaccine is for everybody, right? For rich or poor, educated, uneducated, black or white, whatever, whoever, it's for everybody. Jesus came into the world for everyone. You know, and the world is full of symptoms of this disease that we have. And the symptoms are wide and varied. Anxiety and fear guilt and shame, pain, disease, even death itself. All of those are symptoms. And Jesus came to address every single symptom that any human being is facing because Jesus came for the disease itself. What the Bible says is that every human being was created not only in the image of God, but to be connected to God as a life source. And what's happened is that we've been disconnected from God. And that has caused all the symptoms that we experience in our lives. And Jesus came to reconnect us to God himself, which is why Jesus in John chapter 15 gives us the image of a vine. And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Connect to me. I will connect you to God. Listen, that means that every person you know Every friend, every neighbor, every coworker, every fellow student, every family member is in need of Jesus. And the most loving thing you can do for anyone is to help them reconnect to God through Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do. Every friend, every neighbor, every family member, every coworker, every fellow student is in need of Jesus. The most loving thing you can do for anyone is to help them reconnect with God through Jesus. Listen, if I had a cure, not just a vaccine, a cure for COVID, I would go to everyone, to anyone, and give it to them. It would be a blast, wouldn't it? The gospel is not bad news. The gospel is good news. It's a chance to go to people and say, listen, this is what God has done for you. You can reconnect to him. I'm a witness. Jesus is inviting us to be his witnesses. Here in Hudson, Summit County, Northeast Ohio, to the ends of the earth, that is the vision of reimagine. Everyone, every community, everywhere. Finally, 
Jesus is inviting us uh, to experience joy, to experience joy. So when my kids were little and, and I would invite them on daddy's adventure, that was my goal. I wanted them to experience joy. And I, I guarantee if you talk to one of my kids now uh, and you say, tell me about one of daddy's adventures, their face will light up because those became their favorite memories because of joy. And if there's anything I feel like I need now, after the year we've just had in 2020, it's joy. And I think you do too. Jesus said this, I came that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be made full. The kingdom of God is a place of inexpressible and glorious joy. Whenever Jesus says, follow me, he is saying, listen, I want you to go where I want you to go. I want you to do what I want you to do. It's always for our joy. Listen, this is what I'm going to ask of you. I want you to go all in for a year, for this year all in with reimagine. Don't dig in your heels. Go ahead and jump in the class, every single person. Listen to it. Do everything that we ask you to do for reimagine and see, just see. If this isn't Jesus coming into our church, coming to you and saying, follow me and telling us you are my witnesses. And this is where I want you, Hudson, Summit County, Northeast Ohio, to the end of the earth. And I'm inviting you on an adventure with me so that you can experience joy, inexpressible and glorious joy. Let's reimagine life because of Jesus. Talk more next week. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, I am so grateful that uh, you did not come just to address a symptom, but you came to heal and cure the disease in our souls through your son, Jesus. I pray now that you will fill us, that we will understand exactly what you want us to be, where you want us to go, and how you want us to do it. I pray that uh, we will follow you. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for your son, Jesus. Thanks for the way he changes every aspect of our lives. We pray this in his name. Amen.